Hey, everybody. I hope that you have been enjoying this breastfeeding series as much as me. We are getting ready to round things out with my sister, Alicia, one last time in two episodes. In our normal fashion, we got on to cap off according at an hour and we ended up just gabbing because you guys, we have so much amazing information for you guys to help you prepare prenatally for the best breastfeeding experience that you can hopefully possibly have. So in this episode, you're going to hear hand expression, how to do it, why it's important, the importance of skin to skin, that first latch in the golden hour, thinking about everything really truly in these early days from the baby's perspective, how the baby extracts milk, why that latch and positioning is so important, what those early days are going to look like, and how to set yourself up for success, explaining engorgement, you know, how and why your milk comes in the way it does, and then how to handle it. Should you pump in the early days? Should you use a pacifier in the early days? Why it's okay for your baby to pacify at the breast? We're covering it all. So before I head into it, I want to say a couple things. One, we are not doctors. (laughs) We are not pediatricians. Alicia is an expert in her field, but we're going to talk a lot of opinions and just a lot of experience. So we just feel like we needed to put a little bit of a disclaimer on that from the beginning. Second, We put together an incredible resource for you guys, A, that you can use prenatally, and then also it's a beautiful go-to guide when you are in the middle of your breastfeeding journey and you need a refresher. We've got a really amazing guide. So you can find that, A, on the Mama Collective page on Facebook or on the website. And if you haven't gone to my website yet, go check it out. Y'all, I am not a techie, so I am really proud of this website. And you can find it at www.mamainspired.com. Okay, without further ado, here is my sister, Alicia. Welcome back to the Mama Inspired Podcast. Whether you're struggling to become the mama you've always known you're meant to be, or you're holding that miracle in your arms, hear me now when I tell you that you are not alone, and that on the other side of this hard, a brand new life awaits you. Hey lady, I'm Sarah Wayne Scott. I'm here to encourage a more enlightened, compassionate, and empowered mom collective. I believe that through guru guidance, stories from mamas just like you, and a whole lot of momspiration for me, we can begin to make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. So swap out the breast pad, wipe off the barf, (laughs) it's mama time. Hello, my mamas. So today I am sitting down with my sister again, Alicia, and we are about to round out the breastfeeding series, which is slightly sad, but we're doing it in such an awesome way. And I want to say before we get into it, that I am actually, I took an impromptu little vacation away to Georgia with Cameron for a work trip. And so I am recording this in a business center of the hotel and there's a meeting room next door and I keep hearing noises. So if you hear some like random banging around or even people talking, I apologize. There's really not a whole lot I can do to, to get rid of all of it. Anyway. So today, Alicia and I are going to be covering what we feel is really, really important, but it's going to be a really cool episode for you guys. And one you for sure will want to share because we are going through any additional preparations that you can do that we haven't already covered. 
you know, prenatally getting ready for baby so that you feel as prepared as possible. And we're also going to talk about what's normal, what to look out for with baby when the baby's nursing, all of the things. And so really important episode, really excited. Welcome back, Alicia. Hello. (laughs) So I guess where we should start is let's kind of review really quickly what we've already covered in the last episode as far as preparation goes. So we talked a lot about, we talked a lot about lactation support and how really it's going to do you such, so much good if you can maybe try to find some support, maybe even ahead of baby coming. So if you can, you know, really tap into maybe some of those Facebook groups, find out really what resources are available to you in your area, and maybe even find a lactation consultant ahead of time that you love and trust. I think it'll put you in a really good place where you won't feel so overwhelmed. A lot of times when the baby comes, we're just researching lots of information where, is this normal? We're calling people. This is one of those things you can get done ahead of time. And when, if, and when you need help from a lactation consultant right after baby, you'll have somebody there that you really, really love and trust. We also talked a lot about Alicia's success with Caleb, her firstborn on going to the library and finding all of these, these videos on breastfeeding. So anything from, you know, how to do, how to, how to get baby on proper latch to different positions for breastfeeding, how to's on hand expressing your milk and how to properly use your pump. All those things are really, really important because you probably will be using your pump at some point and knowing what size flange you need and how it should feel and where, how it should fit. And that's something also a lactation consultant can help with. So all the how-to videos, um, dig into resources like Leche League. It's a really amazing resource. They actually have a 1-800 number that you can call for, I think it's 24 hours too, for, for con- consultant support during, during a breastfeeding injury. So worst comes to worst, you can always call them. The Motherly Art of Breastfeeding was a book that we had mentioned um, that's also from the, Le- the Leche League. We happen to be fans of Kelly Mom and Mama Natural for for breastfeeding support and and postnatal support. And all of these resources, actually Alicia compiled even more (laughs) since our last chat, which is amazing. And I'm gonna be putting together a resource list that I will put not only on the website, but I will link in the Mama Collective Facebook group. So you guys will have so many resources at your fingertips. You'll have links to all these videos. It'll be a really, really awesome tool for you to have. Lastly, we talked about expectations, right? We talked a lot about expectations of A, what our society kind of throws out at us and what we're used to seeing and hearing or what we're not used to seeing and hearing before having baby and really understanding what is realistic when baby does come. And then talking about talking about expectations with dad so that he understands you on your breastfeeding journey, what you're going to be going through how and how they can help, which I think is incredibly important. All right, so let's dig into the prep preparation we really haven't talked about. Alicia, I want you to I want you to kind of jump in here. What do you okay. feel like first first things first? Well, I think you've talked a little bit about how important um, hand expression was for you, and I think that that's something that it can be really helpful for moms just to know and have that skill. And that's something that you can even try um, doing a little bit of um, before you have your baby. So. It's important to know that if you're pumping, you cannot be really shouldn't be pumping before you deliver because pumping actually causes surges of oxytocin 
And that can be something that can be, it can, you know, cause you to go into labor. Um, so people, especially, you know, if you have been told like you need to be on pelvic rest and that sort of thing, you should not be doing that. But hand expression is a little bit different just because the, the hormone release is not quite exactly the same. And so you can do a little bit of hand expression. I've included a few videos that can be helpful, but basically you're just using your hands, you're putting your fingers around your areola and you're kind of, it takes a little bit of time to kind of figure out where the sweet spots are, (laughs) where you're going to get more milk. And so just be patient as you're learning. Um, But is, is so important to have that because, you know, You'll have some, Sarah put some milk away before she had miles. Yeah, some colostrum. I call colostrum is milk. It's just the first milk. And so sometimes like we get confused and some people don't think colostrum is milk, but I always just kind of include it. And I just say it's the first milk. So you're right. It is colostrum. Well, I mean, I guess for me though, even though I had, I think learned about it before miles came, I don't think I really knew exactly like what it was going to feel like, what it was going to look like, how much of it really was going to come yeah. out. And so I think for, for new moms <laughs> going into her experience, it's not why and runny. It's right. like, yeah, <laughs> it's, you're not going to um, be able to like do boob guns until your milk comes in. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, so yeah, colostrum is the first milk that you make. Um, a lot of people start, um, leaking or, not everybody leaks. Okay. So that's not a determination about whether you're going to be successful with breastfeeding, but, um, around the second trimester, your body starts making colostrum. Some moms will leak, some moms won't, but it is very concentrated. This is important to remember because we're going to probably talk a little bit later about this, but your baby does not need a lot of milk in those first couple of days. Um, and so, The colostrum is very thick. It's a goldish color. As your milk starts to transition into more mature milk, it's going to start to turn more white and be more liquidy. But when you're expressing um, colostrum, it's just going to be like a little bubble of like, it's kind of almost like a gel-like consistency in those first um, couple of days. And it'll just kind of sit there on the end of your nipple. And so um, I really think basic things are really helpful. So if you want to hand express, get out a clean spoon and that is really the best thing to use. So once the milk drop gets on there, you can kind of scrape it off a little bit with the spoon and then just keep going. A teaspoon is actually what a whole feeding for your newborn is going to look like. Okay. So in those first couple days of having your baby, your baby's going to be nursing and a teaspoon is all that they need for a feeding. And so it's important because you're not going to feel like you have milk. Yeah. You're not going to have these, these breasts that are really full and all of that. You're just going to feel like you have normal breasts. And that really confuses a lot of moms because they feel like they don't have milk and they don't feel like the baby's getting anything. Um, but really you do have milk. You have this colostrum. Um, this can come in handy. Um, so, so if you can make it, get a spoonful or half a spoonful, you can buy syringes that are like one to three milliliters and you can suck that up out of the spoon and you can put it in a, um, in the freezer and you can stash that so that if you go to the hospital and you happen to not be, um, breastfeeding's 
not going great or whatever, you can use that colostrum to feed your baby rather than having the hospital have to give your baby formula or donor milk or something like that. Okay. Once the baby's born, sometimes babies sleep too long or they wake up and they feel very frantic about breastfeeding. They don't, what I, how I describe it is like, they're hungry and all their brain can do is be like, I'm hungry, I'm starving, I'm starving, I'm starving, I'm starving, I'm starving. <laughs> they can't really compose themselves enough to do what they need to do to breastfeed. And so having no, knowing how to hand express can be really helpful because you can hand express into a spoon and feed your baby a couple of teaspoons and that will be all it needs to do, all you need to calm the baby down. So the baby's like, okay, like, I can do this. <laughs> you know, I can think about latch. I can, I can do what I need to do because they don't think that they're, you know, starving. Sometimes mom's pumps stop working, you know, or parts of your pump do not, you know, get worn out. Some of the insides of the pump need to, insides of the bottle, some of the parts and pieces in your pump can get worn out. And so if you have an emergency where, you don't have power or you, your pump is not working properly, hand expression can be really a great way to do that. Some moms find that after they've learned how to do hand expression, they would prefer to use that rather than the pump. And in a lot of ways, moms get more milk once they can figure it out, just because the hands-on approach to that helps release hormones that help you remove more milk. And so, oh my gosh, like I kind of wish that my, my body would respond better to hand expression than pump because- so much less cleaning. I had my, so my lactation <laughs> consultant, Heather said she, she couldn't pump like her only way to get milk because the baby wouldn't latch either one with her first. And so she hand expressed the entire time she breastfed her kids and she would just get like a big, like what would be like a salad bowl. And she would just hand express into that and then use like a funnel and then put it into the, I just think like how much easier would that be? <laughs> One of the, vid when I was in, in one of my classes, like when I first started um, doing like, I think it was my certified lactation specialist, like five day course or whatever. They had a video of someplace in Africa and there are all these like probably like 20 women. They all sit down on a bench and they're all just like hand expressing. And it's just like spray, spray, spray. Like, and I was just like, wow, like we do not utilize that skill enough here. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, and you're because, using it, you're using it when you're nursing too, right? It, you yeah. Can, we're going to talk about breast yes. compressions and it's kind yeah. of sort of the same sort of, sort of motion. And there are a couple different approaches to hand expression. So some people might find that one is better than the other, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that you can do prenatally in those last couple of weeks to just learn how your body works. You know, I think a lot of times we don't realize, Hey, there's actually not just one hole that the milk comes out. Yeah. You remember when you like realize this and it's like, usually eight to 12 is like kind of the average of how many holes are on there and milk comes out of all of them. You know, it's, wild. it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're looking so. down at the pump, like, Oh my gosh, looks like a sprinkler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that prenatally something that you can do to, help with just learning how to do that is just take some time. You'll have a lot more time to learn that. Um, just do like, you know, you don't want to do it for a really long period of time. Um, but you know, five, 10 minutes, that's probably adequate. If you start to have contractions, then maybe you want to stop, you know, if you're not quite ready, it's not really quite time. And you know, the other thing is like, we're going to talk a little bit about birth. I mean, 
a little bit about birth and how, you know, birth can sometimes affect how breastfeeding goes. We all know that most of us know that, but you know, if you are wanting to induce labor, pumping hand expression later on, doing it for longer periods of time is a, a really great natural way to kind of do that. Cool. So I love it. All right. So now let's talk about birth <laughs> and how that, um, you know, interventions can sometimes affect breastfeeding. And so we need to kind of be aware of that. And I think a lot of people are, and sometimes there are not things that we can do to prevent those. But, you know, like once your baby's here, these are, um, we're going to talk about these things because these are things that you can talk to your doctor or whomever, uh, your midwife about like, how's this going to look, <laughs> you know, especially if you're in a hospital setting, it can be really important to know what their procedures are and what am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do? You know, this is really important to me and it's not really something that you guys typically do as normal, but is there a way that we can make this happen? you know? Yeah. Um, so delaying procedures after birth. So once baby comes, ideally the baby would be put on your chest and you guys are just hanging out with a blanket, maybe over you exams. A lot of times can be done. If you and baby are both doing well while baby's on your chest, and then you're just kind of letting baby be there until after the baby has had its first feeding, which in a natural delivery is usually like about an hour or so, can be up to two hours with um, a medicated delivery. And so that just takes time. And basically what you're doing is just letting baby do their thing because it's amazing how much babies know what to do. <laughs> you know, like I think in, in talks like this, we there's like a lot of things for moms to do, but when you sit there and like, if you watch, I, I don't have this on my resource list, but we're gonna add it, the breast crawl. Yes. Um, you know, just, it's just a mom somewhere around the world and they, she has the baby and they just leave the baby alone and the baby goes through and most babies go through like 10 steps of like, and it's the same for every baby, what they need to do to latch. And so we just have to help them do what they're made to do. Okay. So skin to skin, that's what we're doing in the beginning. Mom bare chested baby naked or diaper only. And you guys are just going to hang out and just enjoy the moment. And dads can really do, it's important for dads to do skin to skin. Also, there's a neuroscientist, his name's um, Niels Bergman. He talks about how when dads do skin to skin, it actually rewires their brain to be a dad. You know, for us, we have all these hormones yeah, that are flowing yeah. through our veins and, you know, dads can really be, try to be involved, but I just don't think that they feel it like we yeah. do prenatally. And so um, skin to skin for dad is a really great way. It's a great way for you to get a nap, you know, <laughs> like you want to take a nap, dad does skin to skin. Babies love the deepness of their voices and it's just like a little bit different, but um, skin to skin is super important for babies because I like to think about a lot of things from the baby's perspective, which doesn't happen very much, I don't think, for most people. But <clears throat> if you can think about they've been inside of you, they're super warm and cozy, and they hear your heartbeat, which is so reassuring, and they come out into this world where they've never had anything touch their skin, they have never had any noises, smells, and you think about how they come into the world and we just put them up there and people are like rubbing them. And, you know, there's so much stimulation coming in that really the, the best thing that they can do, my, their new home should really be on your chest where they can 
have some familiarity. And what we know is that babies cry less and it makes them so much more calm when we can do skin to skin. And there's some pretty amazing statistics about how doing a lot of skin to skin in that first week or so really makes a big difference in your success with breastfeeding. Okay. Now that's not like for every person, but you know, doing a lot of breastfeeding in those first few months, even like helps with duration that three months, you're like a lot more likely to be breastfeeding after doing that, which to me blows my mind in some ways, because I'm like, how can that be, you know, but if you think about it, you know, when you're doing skin to skin and your baby starts waking up and kind of rooting around and bobbing their head, like they do, you cannot miss that feeding cue. You know, like the baby needs something and they're just going to kind of go for what they want. They're be like, okay, I can find the breasts. I know what I'm doing. Whereas if they're in a bassinet and they're all swaddled across the room, they might wake yeah. up. They might start trying to like root around on a blanket or whatever. But if you're not like watching them, you might miss those feeding cues. And so this is, this I think is partly why we can contribute those breastfeeding success numbers with skin to skin. It makes so much, it makes so much sense to me. And I mean, like you said, from the baby's perspective, and I think that's just putting them in as close to an environment where they can feel as at home and as comfortable. And of course on you is always going to be that place, but just the atmosphere and just the surroundings and the sounds and the, and the senses, I feel like if we can try and tap into what it would be most comfortable for baby, what they've been used to, like it just, just makes so much more sense. Yeah. And I think that's why babies love like baby wearing yeah. as we, you know, it's not something we're talking about today, but they love that because they get to be all snuggled and that we're moving and it just all reminds them so much of being in the womb. So I love, you know, one of the suggestions I've heard a lot was, it was suggested to me. And when I was dealing with, with latching issues with miles was, you know, getting in the bathtub and, you know, obviously having probably like a warm washcloth, making sure it's like warm and wet, you know, and putting on top of him and just kind of laying in the bath with him and letting him yeah. kind of naturally do it. I mean, again, they are used to having all that fluid around them and that yes. warmth. And so, and not to mention you're a lot more relaxed and I'm sure that has a lot to do with it too, yes. you know? Yes, I'm sure too. The, the, with baths, I mean, even sometimes when babies will go on a nursing strike, we'll have them like maybe they're six or nine months old, which most moms aren't taking that. I mean, a lot of, this is just different, you know, yeah, at that age, yeah. they like to play on their own kind of and stuff, but that is one of those things because there was just something about the water that brings back these instinctive things that, you know, helps them to latch sometimes. So you just never know. It. Yeah. It's a good it's excuse crazy. to just chill out and relax. <laughs> yeah. I'll think about yeah. it. It's the, the in there part is fine. It's like getting yes. in and yeah. <laughs> getting yeah. out with slippery baby. So true. We're not trying to make it sound like it's nothing because once you start it, you'll be like, um, they didn't really tell us how to do all this. <laughs> Heater in the bathroom, towels on the floor, get your baby, you know, like get another person is best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. So, you know, we did talk a lot about colostrum as we were talking about learning how to hand express. One thing that I think is really important, this is something that not everybody does, but I think a lot of moms do it kind of instinctively is breast compressions. So when you're, you have your baby and maybe not that first feeding, but 
you know, as you're trying to get your baby and getting milk in them, the colostrum is really thick, like we talked about already. And sometimes doing breast compressions can help them get more of that milk because you're just helping the milk kind of come out. And so I really encourage all moms to be breast do using breast compressions at most all feedings. Like I said, it's not necessary at every feeding, but I just think it helps babies get more milk and it helps you empty your breast more. And that means that you'll be making more milk if you, we don't, I, I don't think I have in here really um, talking about how your body makes milk. So maybe we might just talk about that um, after this. Um, <laughs> so I really like to encourage moms to try to feed the baby at least every three hours in those first few days. We don't always want to be on the clock, but when babies are new, and especially if there's medication involved in delivery, sometimes they can get sleepy and they will not wake up well to eat, you know, to eat. And so by trying to get them to eat more often, I think that that is just kind of a safeguard. Once your more mature milk is in and your body is making what baby needs and baby's nursing well and gaining weight well, then you can kind of go to just letting baby determine when, when feedings um, should happen. I always think it's important to talk about cluster feeding because that means that babies are having a time period in the day where they just kind of want to eat nonstop. And so you um, will be tired your nipples might be feeling like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Not necessarily always because the latch is bad, but just because they've never been used like this before. (laughs) So, I mean, you go from having these nipples that, you know, it's like you're feeding them every three hours, you know, for a certain amount of time. A lot of times in the hospital, I think that we like have told people breastfeed for 10 or 15 minutes on one side and then go to the other. And I think that some of the reasoning is in that is that you do tend to sometimes get a little bit more sore nipples in the beginning because baby is sucking and they're sucking multiple times because that milk is so thick to get it out and before they can actually swallow. And so every time they suck without a swallow, the pressure in their mouth is building up and building up and building up. And once that swallow happens, then the pressure is released and it kind of starts all over. Whereas once your more mature milk comes in, they're sucking a couple times and then swallowing a couple times and swallowing, but it might be a lot more. And so sometimes moms can get more sore nipples, I think in the beginning. And I can understand how the 10 or 15 minutes on each side can be beneficial for kind of giving your nipples a little bit of a break and using both. Can you maybe explain, I don't know if you can do this. Can you maybe explain what would feel like a normal, like what that pain should feel like versus like what would a bad latch nipple pain or, or signs would feel like? Okay. So typically it's, I think it's a little bit different in the post immediate postpartum period versus a little bit later, like once your milk comes in. And that's kind of what I'm talking about here. You shouldn't really feel like a pinching feeling. It should feel like a sucking feeling, but you know, I usually tell moms latch your baby on, you know, and we're going to talk about some things that you want to try to like shoot for when you are working on latch, but latch the baby. It probably is going to hurt at some points. Okay. And, and that is, So I'd say take, if it hurts, take two or three slow, deep breaths. By the time that you are done with those, the pain should have gone away. Once you have that, those deep breaths 
over with. If you're still feeling pain, then that's really a good indication that something is not working and you need to unlatch the baby and try again, which I know is horrible in a lot of ways because then you're starting all over with the discomfort from the very beginning of the latch. Okay. And some moms, like if your baby's having a hard time latching and you're like, oh, I got them on and like, at least they're on, I don't care if it hurts. Right. We've all had those moments too. I really want you to not do that because your nipples are going to get damaged if it's a bad latch. And the other thing that is really important about this is like baby latches on and they start sucking. And if they have a bad latch where they're just kind of like on the end of the nipple, they get really comfortable. Oh, okay. This is how this is supposed to be. And then when you are working on trying to get latch improved, what happens a lot of times is they'll latch on and they'll like have a good deep latch and they'll suck a couple of times. And they'll be like, Oh, I don't really like this. And they slide down to the end of the nipple where they learned, Hey, this is how I'm supposed to breastfeed. And so if you can break that habit before it starts, you're going to have a lot better. It makes a difference. It makes a difference with a latch, like how much your baby is getting. One of the videos that I have in the resource list shows you is um, Dr. Jack Newman, but he's like pinching the nipple and squeezing and he's like showing you, okay, this, this is where the baby might be and there's nothing coming out, but like going back just a little bit further kind of into the areola and squeezing like milk sprain, yeah. you know, it's a different pressure makes, on those ducts, right? Yeah. And you need the stimulation on the areola. You know, a lot of times people will hear, I remember this, like, oh, you got to have all the areola in that. It doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> you Not know, to like, mention my areola might be bigger than your areola. Right? <laughs> yes. And I mean, <laughs> some real. people have like areolas that are like really large and there's no way that you can possibly get that. So, <laughs> so what you need to do is just make sure that you're getting some of the areola in there. Yeah. Okay. Because that's where the nerves are that the baby latches onto that stimulate the letdown they're in the areola let's backtrack you you were talking about how you know when they get used to sucking on the end of the nipple or they get used to sucking in any way at all one of the things that was explained to me was obviously everything is so new for you and baby but so so new for baby and breastfeeding really is one of the first things they learn and so it is really imperative to try and get that latch correct I make these adjustments and like you said, pull off if it doesn't feel right. Or if you know something's wrong and to keep at trying to ensure that he, he or she is learning the correct way to latch because it is so much harder. They, they learn something, they stick to it. That's just ingrained in them almost now. Right. I mean, not that those things can't be, can't be fixed. I'm I'm a great example of that. They eventually can, if you want to hold on long enough, but yeah, it's the first thing they learn. And so really kind of that, that blueprint, right. Or that imprint, I suppose, Yes. of yes. ensuring that that latch, they figure it out and that they can get on the right track early on because they'll hold on to that. Right. And it's, it's, they learn so quickly at, you know, in the beginning and for a long time, they're very resilient to whatever we kind of put them in. <laughs> but if you start out with that bad latch, you can correct it, but it might be, you know, Right now, it's maybe a couple latches that they will start to adjust and be okay with. If you wait until a weekend, you might be dealing with days and days of trying to like struggle with this, you know, which is going to be even more frustrating for you guys. And, and, you know, 
you want to try to avoid it, but in the same sense, I mean, to be real, you also have to feed your baby. Yeah. You know, like, and so, you know, if you're trying, but this is a good example of if you're trying and you're having pain with every single feeding and it's not going away, if you are having, you know, a hard time getting that latch well on, you know, baby latched on well, then this is after a few days, after not even a whole day, maybe like, you know, a day at the max, this is when you need to be reaching out and finding some help because it's just so much better overall if you can just get these things taken care of as soon as possible. And I think too, like, you know, we have our old traditional positioning for babies breastfeeding, but it's not really evidence-based. It's just how people thought that they should do it. And it can be really helpful sometimes, some of those positioning, the ways that we position them, but really what's best is doing skin to skin, being laid back, because then everybody's instincts are kind of work. You're working, not working against gravity with like the more traditional positions that we were working against gravity. Whereas if you're laid back, gravity is helping pull the baby closer to the breast. You know, when the baby's face and tummy and tops of their legs and the tops of their feet are touching your skin and your body, it engages all of these, all those, most of all those reflexes that babies have in the beginning, those are for feeding. And so we need to, if we're doing skin to skin and we are trying our best to, you know, figure out how to do that, we are going to be helping ourselves and helping baby do what comes naturally without having, and it just takes, when I first saw, okay, so when I had Caleb, my first, I remember, okay, there's the list of like so many steps in the Laleche League Womanly Art of Breastfeeding. And I would be like, okay, this, we got one, two, three. And then like something wouldn't happen. Like he wouldn't do what number four was. And I was like, now what do I do? Do I have to start all over or whatever? But when I first saw laid back breastfeeding and like learned about how it works, I was like, oh my gosh, like this makes so much sense. And the baby knows what they need to do. We just have to help them do it. And it doesn't mean that you can't use some of the things that you've we've talked about, or some of the things that you've learned, it's just amazing, you know, to know that you don't have to stress about it as a mom so much because they're made to do this. We just have to help them. And, you know, some of that is, you know, support, body support, you know, pillows. A lot of people like a boppy. I just like pillows, get a couple firm pillows, get a couple squishy pillows because you need to support your body. And sometimes you have to support your breasts. If you have larger breasts, you have more elasticy breasts. Sometimes you might have to like roll up a receiving blanket and put it under there so that the positioning is more supportive of you and your baby breastfeeding and latching so that you don't have to worry about it. So just kind of think outside the box when it comes to body support, you know, you might find a chair that you really like. The bed is always nice because you can kind of make it into whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) you need it to be with enough pillows. So that's really important too. Okay. We were kind of talking about, um, before we got onto this latch thing, and I think we're probably going to go back and forth. So (laughs) I'm sorry, um, if that's confusing to you, but I think you'll, you'll all appreciate it just kind of in the end. So I was kind of talking a little bit about cluster feeding and just how, how babies are going to want have times of the day. It might be three or four hours, like honestly, to be real. Okay. Where they, all they want to do is be close to you and nurse. That's Okay. All right. I know that everything that we're told tells us they're not getting enough. We're 
told, you know, like, don't let them use you as a pacifier. It's interesting that whole thing because the pacifier came because babies naturally want to pacify at the breast. (laughs) So really it's not like the pacifier has always been there and we're just doing something wrong by letting our babies nurse and get comfort in that way. So your more mature milk is going to come about day three to five. Okay. It's a little bit different for all moms kind of depends on your delivery a little bit. It's going to depend on, you know, whether this is your first baby or later. Um, But a lot of times when that happens, I felt like I had colostrum and then like there was this moment that all of a sudden (laughs) I remember with Caleb, I was in the hospital and like, I finally got to take a shower after having my C-section and I'm like standing outside the shower and it's like getting hot. And I'm like, where's that water coming from? And like, it was just my breasts were leaking. Dripping. (laughs) I was like, oh man, that's really funny. Um, so So typically for a lot of moms that will look like just engorgement where your breasts are just really full. I say, um, when I used to teach breastfeeding class, I say, you look like you paid a lot of money for your breasts on those days (laughs) because it's pretty true for most people. Some moms moms don't have that. So if that's the case, don't freak out. Or if this is like your you know, like you've had a couple of babies already, your body's going to adjust a lot faster, but so you have these really full breasts, if you've had an epidural or you've had fluids during your delivery, you're going to have excess fluid in your body, which causes more swelling. And a lot of times this can cause difficulty with latch. Okay. So I think about if you have a balloon and you have it just like filled, you know, halfway, it's really stretchy, right? Like you can pull on it and it expands and stretches. But if you have that balloon filled as full as it can, there is no stretch to it. And when babies are latching on to the nipple and to the breast, they really need a little bit of the elasticity that happens to get a really good latch. And so if your breasts are really full, sometimes that makes it harder because they can't really get as good of a latch as they did before. Sure. A good place to start might be some hand expression. Okay. A lot of times too, if you have a lot of fluid, You can actually like do reverse pressure softening, which this will be in the links. I don't think I have it on the list as of yet, but um, where you're kind of just holding two fingers, like your index and your middle finger of each of each hand, and you just put it right beside your nipple and you just press in for about a minute or so. And it actually so weird, but it it works like (laughs) it pushes that excess fluid back into your breast and allows that nipple and areola to be a little bit more elastic and like not be so firm. Yeah. What about also like rubbing? Cause you know, when, when they are engorged, you can like feel the pockets of like milk, like like rocks inside your breast. Can massaging just those, those out too. I'm like, really just so everybody knows I'm like on, I'm like, just like showing Alicia exactly what's going on. No, I do that all the time. I remember one time I was not in an office at work and I was like in front of this window that people walked by and I'm like on the phone with somebody and I'm like holding my breast and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. It's just, I don't know. Somebody from the outside in, not knowing that that's a wake office, like. (laughs) No, 
it was in the office. Like the clients would come in the door and go to their room to be seen. And I'm just sitting there like in a, through the window and it's okay. I'm used to it I now, love it. but I love it. yeah. So like, if you are feeling this, you're going to want to, you know, once you get baby latched on, then you start feeling around those lumpy areas and you just do like a gentle circular massage. You don't want to hurt yourself, but it may be a little bit uncomfortable, but that's a really great way for baby to be able to like remove that milk and babies do such a better job than a pump, you know, even hand expression, they are going to do the best job if you can get them on there and do that. So, you know, at the beginning we talked about, you might just do a little bit of time on each side, but as your milk comes in, and you have more milk, you might just want to nurse on one side, you know, and then try to nurse on the other side just to, to even it out yeah. a little bit. It's really kind of hard to know what to do, but I think babies usually do a pretty good job. I really kind of discourage pumping a lot in the beginning if you don't have to, you know, for supply issues or whatever, and let the baby kind of just be the one that tells your body how much to make. But if you're uncomfortable, then I it's okay to pump or hand express to a place where you do feel comfortable. Okay. So like if you've nursed your baby on the left side and you're feeling a little bit better, but you know that it's going to be three more hours before you nurse again on that right side and you're really uncomfortable, you should try to do something. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, I think it's okay if, if the baby's been asleep for two hours and you're like, man, my breasts hurt and I want to, I need to nurse, like wake the baby up. Yeah, the baby's you know, not going like, to eat if the baby's not ready to eat, right? Like the baby yeah. will. Yeah. And you can try doing skin to skin. That's a really great way to try to wake them up a lot of times. Some babies, they just sleep forever there. So it just depends yeah. on dressing them, those kinds of things, changing their diaper are some really great ways to kind of wake them up. So that's, that's a lot about engorgement. I kind of want to explain to you guys why your body, why you get engorged. Your body has been preparing to breastfeed since the very beginning. We kind of talked about that the last episodes where, you know, your body has all these hormones. When you first get pregnant, your breasts are usually sometimes tender and that's your body making more milk glands. And every time you have a baby or a pregnancy, your body's doing that. So typically every baby you have, you're going to have a little bit more milk than before, which for some people is really good. And some people <laughs> not so much, it just depends, but it's a lot easier to deal with oversupply than it is low yeah. supply. Right. Yeah. And so when the baby, when the placenta comes away from the uterus, I think it has a lot of progesterone and don't quote me on that because hormones are kind of confusing sometimes, but the hormones in the placenta are going away are what tells your body, Hey, the baby's been born. It's time to make milk. And so it takes, it takes a little bit of time, those first couple of days to really get things going. And so your body is always doing what it can to take care of the baby. You know, thankfully, like when you're pregnant, you don't have to like push a button and say, Hey, it's been two hours time to feed the baby. (laughs) You know, like it's doing all of these preparations and doing a really good job of taking care of baby. And so when baby's born, your body says, okay, like I have to make as much milk as I can because there could be two babies or there could be three babies and I have to do what I can to, to take care of them. And so your body makes tons of milk usually. And the baby removes milk and that tells your body, Hey, this is how much milk the baby needs. And when it leaves extra in there that the baby hasn't removed, that tells your body, Hey, I don't really need this much. So start, you know, decreasing how much milk you're making. And so that removal, the more you remove milk, the more you're telling your body, Hey, you need to make more 
And if you leave milk in your breasts and you don't remove it, then your body starts sending signals to your brain to say, hey, you need to stop making so much milk. Okay. So that's why it's important to try to be feeding often. You know, sometimes if babies aren't gaining weight, we're telling moms, like, try to feed them every two hours, just because the more we can get baby feeding, the more we can increase mom's milk. That's why breast compressions are important because we're emptying the breasts a little bit better than the baby might do on their own. And that all goes towards having a great milk supply. And we don't want to pump. If you pump, if your feet on one breast and you pump on the other side, you're going to, your body's going to think you're feeding two babies, you know, and so you'll have all this milk and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but part of the great thing about breastfeeding is the convenience factor. And so you will be like having to pump every two to three hours. So, you know, you don't want to really do that if you don't have to, because that takes the convenience out of just being able to breastfeed your baby. Maybe I missed this, but what about nursing the baby, I'll say like 20 minutes and then moving the baby to the other boob? Well, I mean, typically, I think we talked about like in the hospital, I can see why people do that just for the soreness. Okay. We talked about how the suck is different and the swallowing is not as much, but once the baby comes and your milk's in the milk supply is coming in, I really encourage moms to finish the first breast before you move on. So that might be like, you nurse the baby for 10 or 15 minutes. You want to take them off. You want to burp them, change them. And maybe you put them back on the same side. And that's because the milk is a little bit different throughout the feeding. And so it's all good milk, but typically the milk toward the end is like more fatty and the milk at the beginning is a little bit more watery. And so we want to try to get this balance of all of that, you know? And so if you're just feeding like you know, 10 or 20 minutes on one side, and then you're switching, the baby's not getting the fattier milk and, and, you know, that's okay sometimes. Okay. Like, but I'm talking about on a regular basis, like, and you're not empty, you're not totally emptying either one of your breasts if you're doing 15 or 20 minutes. Right. And so then that can start to affect milk supply sometimes. So that's, that's where that, where that comes from. You know, sometimes I think we're told to put limits, but I really try to not encourage any kind of, we don't really know. Some babies can breastfeed, you know, some moms will say, my baby only were nurses like for seven minutes and they're totally done. And, you know, like maybe that's because she has a really fast letdown and she has right. and you know, a really abundant yeah. milk supply and the baby doesn't need to nurse longer than that. And that might happen a lot more in the beginning and those first few days that your milk supply is coming in as in your more mature milk that, that your baby doesn't need to nurse that long, okay. you know? And yeah. so we just, we want to be letting the baby kind of figure that out and we're going to be conscious of it. Right. There's like some breastfeeding apps that will say like, Oh, your baby breastfed for this long. And this is how much they, that there's right. no way that they can gauge it. <laughs> yeah. not work, you know, and some babies, you know, at the beginning, they're not as efficient. The more they practice, the more they get a good deep latch, the more efficient they're going to become over time. Right. Makes sense. So, you know, and sometimes babies, you know, breastfeeding isn't just about food for your baby. It's about that comfort and connection. So, you know, I remember in those early days, back when you could have visitors, <laughs> when you had a baby, I remember it specifically with Asher, my third baby, I would nurse him and I thought he was totally fine. And then we had visitors and they would like hold him and he would just, after a couple of minutes, he was just acting like he was so hungry 
And then I would be like, okay, I'll take him back. And I nursed him and like instantly he would fall asleep. And like this happened over and over. And I was like, it's not because he's hungry. It's because, and you know, he's my more high needs sensitive baby. So that makes sense. Like kind of looking back that that was how he, and a lot of times baby will do that to withdraw. Like if there was a lot of stimulation, you go visit somebody in a holiday or something, they'll just want to nurse all the time. And I know that you remember this one time particularly at a visit home (laughs) with Miles. It's like, took him to the back room when it was quiet. He was totally happy. Take him out with everybody. He was a mess, you know, like we, we really can tell sometimes a lot about babies and their personality. And I think that's the other thing, like when it comes to nursing, you know, every baby is going to be different. And some babies need a lot more of that comfort nursing to just deal with the stimulus of like what's going on around them versus other babies are just down to business done and okay, I'm done, you know? Yeah. And you know, we, we we touched on, we touched on this right at the beginning. It's something I wanted to bring up about kind of the pacifying. So you you had pointed, made a really good point that, you know, if you, if your baby is having trouble, trouble gaining, right? Like if you're worried about um, transfer issues or anything like that, we're worried about baby maybe expending too much energy while they're nursing, you know, putting a certain amount of time, maybe while you're nursing so that they aren't just spending a lot of energy on the boob, if they're not getting maybe what they need, or if they need to keep that, keep that, keep that milk and those calories to themselves. But in general, I think back to our first episode, the very beginning about breastfeeding itself and how really it is so much too about really, you know, if you can, to consider that the baby wanting to nurse quite often is incredibly or normal. pacify, or yeah. pacify at the breast, so, right. right? So past, past getting the food that they want, the milk that they want, just being next to you nursing—that's such a comfort, comforting place. So, so yes, the pacifying that that's really truly normal. normal. And if you can just try to shut out the opinions or the society telling you that maybe that's not normal, or, you know, it's having you question whether baby's getting enough for all these things. Like there's other signs that you can tell about that, but it does come down to what you want. So if you're not right. okay, after a certain period of time, the baby nursing, then that's fine. Those are decisions you make, but don't let the outside opinions or what our society tells us about what is normal or okay with breastfeeding. If the baby wants to nurse and you're okay with with, with doing that right. and letting the, ner- the baby be on the boob a lot, then let the baby be with you. Cause that's, that's what they want. And if you're comfortable yes. with it, like that's the best place to be. Yeah. For both of you really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, like when I do like my breastfeeding education and we look at breastfeeding around the world, I mean, in some cultures where there's not like all the civilization, like what we have and technology, they wear their babies. And if you look at like what the average time between feedings is, it's 20 minutes all day long, every day, you know, and, and part of that is like food. And part of that is this attachment that babies have a need for. And it's interesting because, you know, and I, I don't know if we talked, I said this last time, but in our culture, we think that babies need to be independent and like, they shouldn't need moms to pacify with and all of these things. And, but in these cultures where babies nurse all the time and they're held all the time and, you know, it's a totally different environment. It's amazing to me. This is like something that always stands out to me. They don't have mental illness like we do. They don't have all these, a lot of the issues that we have. And I'm not, that doesn't mean that like, 
you know, like this mental illness thing is, it's, it's a real thing, but, but I think sometimes if we would nurture our babies and like meet our needs and we don't, if we didn't have some of this outside voice saying, don't do that, don't do that. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's better if they do this. I just wonder what our world would be like, you know, you're still probably going to have that, but it would be less, I think. Yeah. And it's a parenting choice. I mean, yeah, I remember. So I just recorded that my breastfeeding story, which which will have aired by the time that this airs. But one of the things I remember thinking when I found out that Miles hadn't been transferring and he was basically starving, I remember thinking to myself, like, why does he even want to be on my boob? Like, why does he even want to continue to nurse, like be at the breast? And I remembered that because that's not it's not just for the food. Like he wanted to be there because that was comforting to him. And that's where he wanted to be. And I don't know. I just sure think his that, everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're their, their world. And, and what we don't realize too, is that you're so connected that once he, just because our babies have to be born really immature because we couldn't birth them if they were as mature as most other mammals. Yeah. And so they have to have that, you know, they, you guys are like, even though you're separate, you're one for, think about it. The first, they have this fourth trimester thing going on, right? Like if you haven't heard about it or don't know about it, look it up, but it's all about like these first few months you are supposed to be together. And that's totally goes, I know against what our culture and society tell us, but that's really what babies need. And then they start to be think about most mammals, they can like move, they can walk, you know, (laughs) they can do all these things. You know, our babies are about nine months before they really start to be like a separate, you know, and it's about three or four, usually about four months before they even like realize there's a world outside of mom. And this is how it's supposed to be. And we shouldn't really, I don't believe this is my opinion that we should be pushing them to do that. And, you know, but so many things are in parenting are just an opinion. You know, like there is no exact science to it. It's, it's about what, what you want. And I think that we just have to figure out what feels good to us in our mommy intuition, right? Because some things seem like a good idea and then we try them or, you know, we go back and we're like, why did I do that? You know, like, I wish I just would have done what felt right to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah you know, we talked about pacifying and like letting babies be on there a little bit longer, but you know, in general, if that's, we always have those moments where the baby's been on there for like 40 minutes. You're like, I have to pee so bad. <laughs> My butt is asleep. You know, like, yeah. I got to get up, you know, like it's fine. You know, yeah. just make sure that you're breaking the suction. I'm surprised sometimes how many moms do not know how to do this. And it's not your fault, but like, how do you spend days in the hospital and nobody's ever told you how to break the suction. So when you are wanting to unlatch your baby, you want, you can do it a couple different ways. You can stick like a finger into the corner of their mouth and you can stick it in there until it kind of gets between their gums. And usually that will break the suction. Some people will push up on the, the part of their cheek that's right beside their nose and that can break the suction, but you really don't want to pull your nipple out while the baby's still attached. We do not have like Elastigirl nipples and that can actually make your nipple sore for a couple of days if you're doing that. So it's important skill to learn from the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't, that's adding just additional traction that you don't want for sure. Um, okay. Yes. So I think this is a really good time to 
dive into, okay, what does a proper latch look like? We kind of talked about this a little bit about the areola and what should, you know, the part of the areola, but I think the lineup, I think is, is good for you to kind of talk about the adjustment and then the, the signs to look out for, to know yep. that they're, they're getting the milk. Sure. So first of all, you know, I feel like it's important that we talk about artificial nipples can have bad effects for breastfeeding and it all really depends on your baby. Okay. So, you know, some babies will be fine going back and forth between a pacifier and a breastfeeding. No problem. Other babies, it's like you use the pacifier one time and nah, it's not going to happen. The latch is messed up for like days and days. And so I just think it's important to let you know that so that if you are really not wanting to use those at the hospital, it can be really difficult to keep those things from happening. It just depends. I remember, you know, if that's something that's important to you, make sure that your support people know that you have to kind of watch your baby. We don't take babies away from moms most of the time, but like sometimes for hearing screenings or somebody's having a circumcision, like those kinds of things, they don't do those in your room. And so I learned this the hard way a little bit. And I remember when um, Sophia was born, she had to go to the NICU for a little bit. And I told Jason, I'm like, I tried to educate him about anything and everything (laughs) that could come up. And I was like, you know, you just have to tell them no bottles, no pacifiers. I had gestational diabetes. And so I was like, if she has low blood sugars and she doesn't, it's not an emergency. I want to breastfeed her. Like that's really important to me. No glucose water. And so he had all the rules. He went to the NICU um, with her after she was born and he like stayed there the whole time. But I think um, he called, he left for like five minutes to call his mom and say, Hey, we had the baby. And he came back and she had a pacifier in her mouth. You just have to be really careful about that stuff. And I mean, some places are better than others, but it's just one of those things. And you got to tell your support people why, and like really have them educated so that they don't get themselves into like, yeah. you know, there's yeah. that other ways to do it. So, and there are ways that you can kind of fix that a little bit, but it's, it's not always easy. And it just make it's just another layer yes. of something that can make it harder. Okay. Yeah. And it's hard enough at, at the beginning anyway. All right, guys, I know you want to hear the rest of this. So stay tuned for part two coming out next Thursday. Hey, mamas, before you peace out, if what you just heard inspired you, made you feel like you've got a new BFF or simply reminded you of another mama, please share this episode or the podcast and be sure to tag me if you share it on social. My hope is to touch as many of you as possible and dry this mama-led movement. If you're with me, and I know that you are, please take a minute and leave a review. Hearing from you makes my heart so happy, and your review could encourage another mama in need to hop on this journey with us. So let's make a pact. I'll bring the fire, and in return, you help me strengthen our mama collective so we may together make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. Let's get it, mama.